Welcome, everybody, to the final installment and last week of our series called Breaking the Law, a series about sin, sinners, and sinning. And if you missed any of the last few weeks, I want to encourage you to go get caught up. But what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes, I think, arguably, could be the most relatable part of the whole series. And you're like, I, I thought the whole thing was about, you know, sin and sinners. Yeah, yeah, us. It's a very relatable but I think this might be maybe the most personal, relatable part of the whole thing. And I think you agree, if, if you really stop and think about it, what we're going to talk about in the next little bit is temptation. <laughs> temptation. Yeah, stuff that you and I know all too well. Now, I think our culture actually has a fascination with temptation. It, it's all around us, and we, we may not even see it until we see it. Right? You may not even notice it until you really, really stop to notice uh, temptation. Like That theme is everywhere. In movies, right? it's, it's a common theme in movies, especially when it comes to sex and lust and relationship-type things. You know, it's a common theme. It, it's a common theme in lyrics, in music, all kinds of genre of music, the temptation there, especially on the relationship side of things. But here's something that you'll really notice if you pay attention is how temptation and the theme of temptation and tempting people is such a common theme in advertising. And, and not just clothes and, and not just you know, things that you would expect, but even food and sometimes especially food. Stop and watch. Slow motion to food with sultry music. You're suddenly hungry. You're ready to go out and buy whatever, right? I mean, it's like, and here's the candy bar, and we're going to break the candy bar. And, and, you know, and you pull it apart, and then, then the caramel's drooping down in the middle, and you're just like, and the chocolate's pouring over. You know, like, yeah, I'm ready. And it, you stop and look at that and go, it's a biscuit. It, you're buttering a biscuit. You're like, you can butter my biscuit, baby. You know, I'm mean, just like, wow, what's the deal? And here's what I've concluded. I've concluded that if Krispy Kreme ever does a slow-mo ad for their donuts going underneath the, the waterfall of glaze, I'm done. I'll see you later. I'm headed out. You know, I'm just like, oh, what is it? Temptation. We're fascinated with it. It's about that internal pull and draw to things. And I don't even really think we understand it fully, fully get what that's all about. But we know it, right? We know it. And we know the struggle. Even if you don't want to admit it, and I understand if you don't, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand, and I understand it's a personal thing, and it may be a little embarrassing and a little bit too, you know, I don't know. But in places you don't talk about at parties, you know, you know, you know, you struggle. The struggle, the temptation is a very real thing. In fact, I think that all of us can relate to something that 2,000 years ago the Apostle Paul said. Paul the Apostle, great leader in the first century church. He wrote something that was very transparent and honest and personal. And, and you might consider it's quite surprising to hear something like this from an apostle. But after we read it and you see it, I'm getting ready to show it to you. I think you'll, if you're honest, you'll be like, I know, yeah, I know what that's about. Here's what Paul said. He said, I want to do what is good. I want to. But I don't. Do it. 
and I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody relate to that? You feel that? Yeah, I can look at that and go, man, that guy's reading my mail. Yeah. We know the struggle. It is a common struggle. Now, he goes on to explain that the answer to the struggle, the delivery, the deliverance, the victory of this struggle is found in the power of Christ. And we'll get, we'll get to that. That is so true. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But the struggle is so real. And you know it. I'm going to spin this a little bit for you and help you see it from a different angle. I want to submit to you that I believe that the struggle that you and I feel with temptation, the struggle, the fact that there is a struggle is actually a positive thing. It's actually a good thing. The fact that there is a struggle inside of you, you would think, no, that's bad. That's not good. No, no. The fact that there is a struggle is actually a good sign that God's spirit is at work within you to some degree. What would concern me is if there's no struggle. Now you would think, you would think, oh, now if I was, if I was a better Christian, if I was a better man, better woman, closer to Jesus, then I wouldn't struggle with these things. No, 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 no. No. Let me tell you something. Paul, the apostle, was a whole lot closer to Jesus than most of us. And he knew the struggle. I would get concerned if there's no struggle ever. And you just don't even think about it. You're numb to it. You just give in constantly. You're just like, oh yeah, whatever, whatever. That would concern me. The fact that there is a struggle going on inside of you, to me, at least lets me know that, oh, there's, there's that, mm, I probably shouldn't say this. I probably shouldn't do this. I probably, mm, I'm not sure this is wise. I'm not sure this is good for me. That's a good thing. So there's just so much baggage around this thing of temptation. And then there's so much guilt and shame and discouragement, even defeat. And so what I want to do is maybe help get us beyond some of that. And that's going to begin with some understanding. And to understand really how this thing works. So let's begin with something we've already talked about in this series. But it's good to come back to. And remembering that the definition of sin is, and we saw this in earlier weeks of the series is to miss the mark. To miss the mark is, is what, you know, functionally would, would be that definition of sin. Well, what's the mark that we miss? Well, the mark is Jesus. The mark is the way of Jesus, which is God's best for us. So as a result, that's the mark. If God's best is the mark, then temptation would be that pull that you feel, that pull, that drag away from the mark, from the way of Jesus, from God's best. That's what we're talking about when we talk about temptation. Now, for you, that may, your temptation experiences and struggle uh, may have more to do with stuff and things, you know? There's some people, it's all about stuff and having more stuff and bigger, better, nicer, newer. You're a sucker for the, the, the new model of whatever it is you have. You know, you're like, oh, they've upgraded. I now no longer want what I have. There's nothing wrong with it. I've just got to have the bigger, better, nicer, newer kind of thing. Maybe that's you. Other people, you're like, nah, not so much. I'm good with the old stuff. I like antiques. You know, I am an antique, that kind of thing. And so I just kind of like things old. Yeah, that, that may be you. That may be not. Other people, it's a money thing temptation around money is just more, more, more. I've never known anybody to be tempted to have less money. 
But it's like, you, you know, and it kind of borders on greed. You wouldn't call it greed, but it's greed. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say you're a greedy person, but that's really what's behind it. Maybe that's you, if you're really being honest. Again, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not saying you would admit it to anybody else. Maybe for some of you, it's a career thing. It's about power, authority, maybe attention to yourself. And you've never really put it in those terms, but you'll do just about anything to draw the spotlight to yourself. And you're about climbing, 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 climbing. You are so pulled in that direction. Maybe temptation for you is about a substance that you're putting in your body that makes you feel better, at least temporarily. But deep down, you know. And you really don't have to go deep down. You just know. It's not good for you. It's not healthy. But, you know, everybody's got a vice, right? Everybody's got, oh, watch it, watch it, watch it. For you, it actually may be food. Maybe food. Or some other way that you're not taking care of your body. And it might even be another person. You know, there are people in our lives that pull us away from God's best, that pull us away from God's best. And you can't explain it and you don't know what it is, but you're drawn, you're drawn to want to be around them and having them in their life but you know deep down this is not good for me. Or it might just be comfort and convenience. That's one that a lot of times sneaks up on us. Comfort and convenience. We do whatever is most convenient. We'll, we seek out the most comfortable thing. Um, and, and we'll do just about anything. And here's the sneaky thing about temptation and the pull away from God's best. It's not always bad things. right? It's not always things that come with a label, this is bad for you. Often it's good things taken to excess. It's good things that we take too far. It's good things that we get too much. So I don't know what it is for you, but I bet if you're willing to be honest, I believe and my prayer is that God will help you see what it is you need to see about what is pulling you away from God's best in that temptation zone. Jesus' brother James helps us understand how temptation works, and this is what he teaches us. Temptation comes from our own desires. That's huge. Maybe you didn't see that one coming. Our own desires which entice us and then drag us away. I love that. It's very graphic, right? Entice us, like, here, 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 come on, come on. And then we get close enough, and it's like, bonk, bonk you on the head and drag you away. That's the way I see it. Yeah, that's, that's what our desires do. And then when that happens, huh, they give birth to sinful actions. Yeah, that's when you've, you've come away, you've walked away, you're moving away from God's best, and that's the action, the behavior, but watch where it leads. And then when sin is allowed to grow and it goes unchecked and undealt with, it gives birth to death. Interesting, the phraseology, something giving birth to Death, giving birth, which you would think is a life-giving thing, but it's a destructive thing. Notice those three words. There's, there, there's, there's your progression right there. Desire, action, death. Desire, action, death. Desire, action, death. Every sin follows that pattern. But what I want you to notice is where it starts. Temptation comes from your own desires. In other words, temptation comes from within you, from within me, in our hearts and our minds. It starts inside. It's an inside job every single time, which means the devil didn't make you do it. Well, the devil made me do it. 
Oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, I tell you what, man, Satan, I, I, Satan's been making me do this. Oh, no, 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 no. That may sound good. That may be acceptable where you come from, but that dog don't hunt when it comes to what we find here in the scriptures. It comes, Jesus' brother James said, no, 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 temptation comes from your own desires inside you. Interesting thing about desires is they're indiv very individual things, aren't they? All of us have different kinds of desires. Have you ever noticed that, that when it comes to temptation, there are certain things that bothers your husband and bothers your wife It doesn't really bother you? And you're like, oh, that's not a big thing to me. It's a big thing to him. It's a big thing to her. Right? Or your friend. You have a friend. You're like, oh, she is all about, but, you know, I'm never really into that. And, and oh, no, he, man, he can't. Oh, boy, that's a big tripping point for him. But I don't wonder why I never really, because we're all very different. We have different desires, right? You owe it to yourself to pay attention to what's going on inside of you. Now, there are some things that are just universally not good for all of us. They're universally wrong for all of us. They're universally not God's best for all of us. And the scriptures spell that out. You know, some of the basics, right? I mean, regardless of whether or not you desire to murder someone, it's wrong to murder someone. Right? That's just universally wrong. It is universally wrong to steal someone whether or not you've ever had a desire or even felt bad about stealing your neighbor's Wi-Fi. Right? It's just universally, it's just, it's just, it's, it is universally not cool, not okay. It's a sin to be unkind to someone else, regardless if you feel bad about it or not, regardless if they ask for it or not, regardless if it's a taste of their own medicine, if they had it coming, regardless of what kind of category you put it in, right? But then there's these individual desires that you have that you need to pay attention to. We're talking about self-awareness here and asking yourself a question that sounds a little bit like or something like, is this desire, paying attention to the desire that you have, and a lot of times we just have desires. We don't even really think about them. We don't even pay attention. Pay attention. Is this desire leading me away from God's best? Simple question. You owe it to yourself and to others to answer it. Now, time out just a second. What's God's best? Well, we refer to God's best as the way of Jesus, the standard of Jesus. But here's why I bring that up. We often think, that we get to decide what God's best is for us. Who determines what God's best is? Who, de who decides what's God's best for you? Not you. Not me. Not us. Do you know who decides what God's best is for you? God. It's God's best. But here's, this is tricky. The self-talk we do, the bartering, the self-talk, and the rationalizing, well, I just got to think. I just believe that God would want me to be happy that God would want me to have, because I, and this makes me happy, this brings me joy. I can't imagine that God would not want me to. You find yourself start having that conversation with yourself, and I'm not talking about the conversations with yourself that needs medicine kind of conversations with yourself. I'm talking about the conversations you have, you know, you have up here in your brain, and you, in the imaginary you, and you're going, self, wouldn't God want me to? I can't imagine that God would not want me, and I'm sure this is best for me because it makes me happy. Yeah. You see, you don't get to decide what God's best is for you. You know who decides what God's best is? God does. 
Culture doesn't get to decide what God's best is for you. This is huge. Well, everybody else is, and I think, I mean, everybody else in my age uh, group and, and everybody else is deal willing like this. This is the way people are thinking, and this is why I've heard that when you have this feeling, you have this desire inside of you that's pulling you in a certain direction, then this is how you should respond, and this is the way you should see it because everybody in culture, and this is what it is. Wait, 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 time out. Who decides what God's best is? Ultimately, God does. So you owe it to yourself to discover what God says is best for you and me and how the way of Jesus teaches us what is best for you and me, which means we constantly look to Jesus to set the standard for how we live our lives. As a result, you ask this question, is this desire pulling me away from what God says, not what I feel, and this desire, well, not what this desire is telling me. And people say, well, if I have a desire, evidently God gave me this desire. Whoa, 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 no, 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 no. It comes from with you, within you. You're a human being. And the prophet Jeremiah warns us that you cannot follow your heart. The prophet Jeremiah warns us that our hearts are deceitful. They deceive us, which means it happens and you don't even know it. You don't even realize it's thus the destination of, definition of being deceived. It's called a blind spot for a reason. You don't see it. Their hearts are deceitful. They deceive us. And there's wickedness, and we can't even know our own heart. So when people say, well, I'm just following my heart, that's not wise. When it comes to temptation, mm, you're going to need to look at it differently. And we'll get there in a moment. Is this desire pulling me away from God's best? This is so very important to ask yourself, especially when you're tired, because you're more susceptible to giving in. When you're stressed, you're more susceptible giving in. When you're angry, when you're sad, when you assume that you don't have a problem. So what can you do? What can you do if you identify the desire, right? You've identified it and, and like, you know, and Tommy boy, now the next thing to do is wash it out. You know, now that you've identified it, you got to get rid of it. Okay, so what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Well, here's what you need to know. You're not helpless. You're not a victim. You're not. You're not a helpless victim. It's not like, well, what can I do? I mean, I mean, it's just the way it is, and I don't know what to do. And, and everybody's a victim, right? Everybody's a victim. It's no, nothing's nobody's fault anymore, right? Nobody takes accountability in our culture, and I know I'm being extreme, and I know I'm being a drama queen right now, but that's the feeling you get, right? It's just like, does anybody take responsibility for anything in their own life? Or are we always like, well, it's because of them, it's because of them, and I was a victim of the system, and I was a victim of that system, and I was a victim of this, and I was a victim of that, and because they did, then I did that, and, and I, I couldn't help it because of what I was, and I don't know. You're not helpless. You're not a victim. There is something you can do. Watch what Paul says to the Corinthians. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. It ain't just you. It's not just you. Nobody's picking on you. You are not a victim. And you are not helpless. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Does that sound familiar? You know why it may sound familiar? Because it's often misquoted and misinterpreted when people say stuff like, when you go through difficulties in life and pain and hardships and and when you go through stuff like cancer and, and uh, the death of a loved one and, and depression and anxiety and really hard times in life, things that are really, really tough. I'm not talking about, oh, my team lost. I'm talking about the really, really hard stuff in life. People will often say, well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. And people say to me, well, pastor, I know God will never give me more than I can handle. That's not true. 
That's not what this verse is talking about. God will often allow you to experience more than you can handle as far as pain and suffering in life goes and trouble and trials and tribulations. You know why? Because if you could handle it, you wouldn't need him. If you could handle it, who needs God? If I could handle everything, you could say I am God. You would be God. Of course you can't handle everything. That's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is saying in regards to temptation to sin. God's not going to ever allow you in a situation where you are tempted and that desire is so strong that you don't have a way out. He goes on to say, but when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You always have an out. You always have an out. You You are never a helpless victim. There's always a no. But you have to decide to be an active participant in the way out. You have to decide. I have to decide. We have to decide to be active participants in resisting that desire that is pulling us away from God's best. You actually can do something. Paul writes to the Romans in the first century about the same topic. He said, you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive basically to the power of God through Christ Jesus. You should consider yourself. In other words, it's basically you making your own mind up when that desire is starting to, you know, you're feeling that struggle and that desire is pulling you away from God's best for your relationship, for your finances, for your health, for your body, for for your marriage, for your job, you fill in the blank. And, And that's pulling you, you need to decide. Consider yourself dead to it. In other words, you have to be like, not up in here, not today. That's basically what that is. Is you looking at that and going, nope, uh uh-uh, I see that, I see that desire, I see you, (laughs) yeah, you're not getting me today, not now. You have an active role where you can just say no. And then he goes on to say this, this is fascinating to me, because it's so clear, we miss it. Do not let sin control the way you live. You know what this means? You don't have to let sin control the way you live. You have a say. You can say no. Do not give in to sinful desires. You know what this tells us? You don't have to give in. I don't have to give in. We are not helpless victims. We don't have to give in, and we certainly should not give up. There's always a way out. Which means you must decide what to do with the desires inside of you. You've got to decide what to do with what's going on in your inner world Isn't it funny and actually maddening to how clear what you should have done and what you could have done different is in the rearview mirror? Like, when you look back on it, you're going, oh, yeah, I see where that went off the rails. I could have done that differently and should have done that differently. I could have said something different and I should not have said that. I could have made this choice and I should have made that choice. I, right? It's, it's so clear in the rearview mirror, isn't it? So that's why you and I must be vigilant to stop, hit the pause button, slow down, and prayerfully think what to do with this desire, these desires inside of us. Because, see, that's where temptation comes from. Don't, 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 don't just assume, well, God gave me all these desires. No, no, no. He's not going to give you desires that pull you away from his best. Why would God do that? That would be the most unloving thing in the world, for God to give you desires that actually pull you away from God's best. And where do those desires come from? They come from inside of us human beings and you've got to decide what to do with them so let me suggest what you should what you what you could do and you should do before 
it gets too far. This will help you. Three R's. I don't want to call them steps because I don't like sequential things. Life, most of life is not A plus B equals C. It's great on a math test, but life doesn't work out that way a lot of times. So I don't like that sequential thing, but this may fall into that category. First of all, remove. Remove, remove, remove. Remove the situation that's, that's, that's creating that, that, that's stirring up that desire that's within you, that's, that's magnetizing those desires in you and pulling you. Remove the situation or remove yourself from the situation. Remove the environment or remove yourself from the environment. Remove yourself maybe from the person that's pulling you away from God's best and you know it. You actually have to say, uh-uh, no. I have to remove myself from this. Which means, I don't know, we have to do some things differently. You say, I, I, Pastor, that, that's true. What you're saying is spot on. And for those individuals that are weaker, I get it. But I'm pretty sure, listen, this is not about how weak you are. This is about how wise you are. This is about wisdom. It's not just about weakness. Be wise, be wise. If you're not wanting to go down a road and move away from God's best, then right up front, a lot of times, we can just eliminate that by removing ourselves or removing the situation from us. You may need a filter then. Filter on your phone, a filter on your computer. You may need a different schedule that takes you there instead of here every day. You may need new habits and new rhythms of life. You may need to limit your access to certain things and certain people and certain places. Remove. And then secondly, replace. This is so important for human beings, okay? Because these desires, when you take away the no, it's healthy to put in its place a yes. If you constantly are telling yourself, no, 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 you can only do that for so long and then you finally just give in. I deserve this. After the day I've had, and the Lord knows, and Jesus understands my heart, I owe this to myself, right? Watch that stuff. So don't just remove the no, replace it with a healthy yes. It's about redirecting your focus with something good and healthy and wise and true and helpful for you. Replace the bad with something good. This is where God's word comes into play for a lot of people. That, that, that okay, when they're really struggling, uh, the, the, these verses of scripture that they will read or that they will focus on. For uh, some people, music helps, right? Yeah, the uplifting, inspiring music. Some people, just a new activity. I gotta go for a run. I don't understand that. Those of you who go for a run to make things better, the only thing running makes better is if you're being chased by something that's gonna kill you. It's my book. Yeah, I'll run then. That's a good thing. For those of you that, some of you may need to run to clear your head. That's fine. If God made you that way, that's great. Fantastic. That's your thing. But for others of you, it's redirecting. Just redirecting in another activity. Maybe you need to read a book. Uh, something healthy. Something good. Don't replace something bad with something else that's bad, right? If you're self-medicating with a substance, no. That's actually perpetuating the problem. You may need, okay, if, if it's about a person, get this. If, if there's a relationship in your life that's a very tempting relationship for you that is pulling you away from God's best, then you replace that relationship focus with a healthy relationship focus and try to surround yourself with people that are pulling you to God's best. Right? It's so much easier to pursue God's best when you're doing it with other people that want to pursue God's best. Right? 
I don't know what it is for you, but replace, replace, replace. And, and probably more important than anything else, rely. You've got to decide what to do with the desires, desires inside of you. Remove what needs to be removed. Replace it. Re- remove the no. Replace it with something that's healthy and yes. And ultimately, you've got to rely on the strength, the power of God's spirit within you to make this happen. While you are not helpless and you are not a victim, you also cannot do this on your own. You need the strength of your heavenly father to do this well and to do it consistently. You cannot do this on your own strength. Rely, rely, rely. And the good news is, and this is the best news of all, the best news is that Jesus understands what you're feeling and he is wanting and ready to help you. Watch this. The writer of Hebrews says, we do not have a high priest. And he's talking about Jesus here, the, the Levitical, the Jewish kind of um, category of you know, spiritual leader, high priest. He's referring to Jesus. We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who's been tempted in every way. Just as we are. Yet, he did not sin. We do not have a God. We do not have a Lord. We do not have a Jesus that looks at us and goes, oh, that must be so hard. Sucks being you. I don't get I don't. I'm God. I don't know what that's like. I don't, I don't get it. You people, oh, what a miserable lot you are. Good luck. I told you it was right. I told you it was right. Good luck with it. You're on your own. No, not him. He was tempted in every kind of way that we have been tempted. Now, this does not mean that Jesus in the first century went through every single scenario that you and I go through today in the 21st century. Because there's a lot of things that are tempting to us in the 21st century that didn't even exist and weren't even invented yet in the first century. But what Jesus does know and what the writer of Hebrews is helping us understand is that the desire behind the thing, the desire behind the pull is a common desire. It's an age-old desire. It's as old as mankind himself. It's not new desires. They may manifest themselves with different objects and different things. But Jesus knows the desire. He's had all those same desires. And he can look at you and go, I hear you. I see what you're going through. And I know. I know. And, And he went through all of that. And because he's God in flesh and bone, He didn't sin. It didn't drag him away. Not one single time. That's why he's Lord and that's why he's God and we're not. It goes on. This this gets even better. Let us then approach God's throne. God's throne of grace. He's talking about prayer. Coming to Jesus. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, knowing that he knows us, that he knows what's going on and that he gets us so that we may receive mercy Mercy when we've screwed up. Mercy when we've gone our own way. Mercy when we've, we've gone too far. Mercy when we think we don't have a problem. Mercy when we think it's everybody else's problem. Mercy and grace to help when we're tired, when we're worn out, 
when we're beat down, when we're confused, when we're stressed, grace, when we feel weak, grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus, come to me. You come to Jesus, you're not gonna get a, a holy pep talk laden with shame and guilt and a finger in your face. What you're gonna get is open arms and just say, I understand that struggle. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me strengthen you back on the path, back on the path to my best for you. Won't be easy, but I'll, I'm here to help you. I will strengthen you. I'll give you mercy and grace in your time of need. Final question. What desire is now tempting you the most? You owe it to yourself. You owe it to others to answer that question, to wrestle that one to the ground. Because what you then do is you just say, okay, then there are certain things that need to be removed and then I need to replace the no with the yes that's healthy and good and, and ultimately, Father, I need to rely on you in this. Whatever, however you answer that question right now, go to your heavenly Father. It makes all the difference in the world. If you're, a, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you know the joy that it gives you when your child or grandchild comes to you in pain or they're hurting or they're confused and you're able to scoop them up and look them in their eye and go, daddy knows, mama knows, grandpa knows, grandma knows. I get it. I've been there. I've had the same. I know that hurts. That's happened to me too. I know how to help you. I know how to help you. I know what to do. And here's the deal. Even if you're not a parent or a grandparent, all of us are children. And I hope that you've had the wonderful experience of running to the arms of a parent or a grandparent or some other authority figure in your life who is there to care for you and remember how comforting it was to hear those words, to say, it's okay, it's okay. I know, I know, I know. I know what it's like. I know I've been there. That happened to me too. I know what to do. Let me help you. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? That's what our Heavenly Father is asking. He's asking, Jesus said, come, come to me, come to me. You sinners, come to me. You tempted ones, come to me. I know what it's like. I know all those desires. I've been down those roads. I know what to do. Come to me. Our Father, to the best of our ability right now, May we simply come to you. We are sinners who sin and sinning and temptation gets the best of us. Lord, may we be honest with ourselves of what's going on inside of us, the desires from within us. May we not blame other people. May we not blame you. May we just own it and bring it to you. And then... Help us to do what it is that you've told us to do, to resist it. Remove what needs to be removed and replace it with something good and healthy that leads us to your best. And ultimately, we rely on you. Father, you know us. You know our weakness. You know our frailty. May we be wise when we are being pulled and dragged away by the desires within us that pull us away from your best. Help us to be honest with ourselves, 
and with others, even if it's hard, even when it hurts, because you already know and we depend on you. May we, as a church family, as a family of faith, run to you. As individuals, run to you. May my friends, my brothers and sisters here, may we simply run to you and lean on your strength to help us remove, replace, and rely. In Jesus' name, amen.